Our gospel text for this morning comes from John chapter 14. Uh, I invite you to stand in body or spirit for the reading of the gospel. And this is part of the last words of Jesus to his disciples on that night that he was betrayed. This is what he said. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the, world, the, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned, for I am coming to you. In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live you also will live. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Amen. I have a 45-minute sermon. (laughs) And they laugh. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I've had some confirmation students, mostly their parents, say, keep it simple today. We've got a big class. How good is that? Yay! All right, we want to say congratulations to you. I do have some things to say to you uh, in in, in particular. Uh, One is, uh, okay, from the first scripture lesson that we heard Rich read from Colossians, I want you to remember this, to lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Lead lives worthy of the Lord. Remember that. That's all you got to do. And in the, the, the second text, which are the words of Jesus, which Pastor Daniel read from the Gospel of John, I want you to remember that when Jesus was ready to leave, he said to his disciples, don't worry, I will send you another teacher, even the Holy Spirit, who will lead you into all the truth. Okay, so remember, lead lives worthy of the Lord. How to do that? Follow the Holy Spirit who will lead you into truth. Now, it was about your age when I was first beginning to feel that God was wanting me to go into the ministry. It was just a feeling. I tried to resist it. I also had some other things in mind. I really wanted to be a firefighter. That was something I really wanted to do. Micah, maybe I could still learn. Uh, and uh, then, then I, I thought, you know, it'd be fun to be a carpenter, and uh, that would be fun too. Um, I also played the piano, and I thought, mm, maybe I could be a pianist. And then the next recital, I forgot what I'd memorized, and I messed up big, and I go, mm, not <laughs> anyway. But by the time I got to high school, I began to feel that call even a little bit more strongly, and I felt it never so strong as in the spring of 1974. Yes, that was before you were ever thought of, I realize. 
But I was a junior in high school, at Abilene High School. My father was the pastor at the Methodist Church. And we went out for a father-son drive in the countryside. Now, some fathers get fishing poles and they take their, their sons or daughters and they go out and fish and they talk while they're sitting on the pier. Or some uh, at a ball game or in other ways. My father's way was to say, would you go out and uh, ride with me in the 55 Chevy, which he bought brand new in 1955 before I was thought of, and um, I want to blow the cobs out of it to, to keep it. And I literally thought there were cobwebs growing inside. Uh, it was just my dad's way to have a father-son conversation with me. And that night was no different as the sun was setting in the west and we were driving south on K-15 south of Abilene, Kansas. And he was up about 70 miles an hour. He said, son, what do you want to do with your life? And I go, oh, why do you want to know? Anyway, I began, maybe... I did want to do something with my life. And it was, we came back to town and we crossed over the bridge of the river south of Abilene, Kansas. It was like a bridge experience. As we crossed the river, I came to know that I know that I knew God was calling me to be a minister. Make a long story short, Dad took me over Tuesday. That was a Sunday night. He took me over Tuesday to meet the district superintendent and said if he got desperate and needed someone to uh, fill a pulpit somewhere, I might consider it. He called me on Thursday. I didn't even have a sermon ready. <laughs> called me on Thursday and said, could I go to Dorrance, Kansas and do a message for two Sundays? The pastor needs a break. And I said, Lord, I said someday. Not the next Sunday. <laughs> but my dad looked at me and he said, you can use the car. And so uh, I did what I knew best. And I took 1 Corinthians 13, which is the great love chapter. And I put together a little message. I run across the notes every once in a while. And I look, I said that? But I drove out to Dorrance, Kansas. And that Sunday in the little church in Dorrance, which is now closed, there were 13 people. That's how I remember it, 1 Corinthians 13 to 13 people. And none of them ran out the door screaming. I came to develop a favorite scripture, and I commend it to you, 1 Timothy 4.12. This is a scripture that we remember that Paul said to a young man named Timothy who was thinking about the ministry, now, God may not call you to ministry, but I believe God's calling you to something. And God is already working on your life, and he's got a plan for you. I hope you're listening. And this verse meant a lot to me. Let no one look down upon you because you are young, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in faith, hope, and purity. So I just want to say this to you. Don't let anyone look down upon you because you're young. Stuff. I believe that God has uniquely gifted each one of you to change the world. Now, you may not make it in the pages of 
Guinness Book of World Records. You may not make it in the annals of Wikipedia or the, uh, the tabloids of the rich and famous, but you can change the world by all the little decisions that you make day after day after day through the day. Because it's not in the big things that we do that make a difference in the world, but it's the little decisions that we make along the way. The second thing I would say to you is always do the right thing. Now, when I first went into the ministry, uh, I preached my first sermon when I was 16. I got my first church when I was 18. I was a freshman at Friends University. And um, for a little while, I was the youngest pastor in the annual conference. You get over that. And after 46 years of ministry, all I have left is old guy wisdom. (laughs) But I want to give you this. I've done funerals for faithful people who have been longtime Christians in the church, and they've worked in all kinds of professions. And one of the things that stands out in my mind as I remember them is the words, they always did the right thing. I want to encourage you to always do the right thing. What's the right thing? Well, follow Jesus. He'll let you know. For it was Jesus who said, I will send you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will teach you all things, the truth, what you need to know. Okay, so let no one look down upon you because you're young. And I would submit to the rest of you, don't let anyone look down upon you, even if you're getting old. Always do the right thing. And then I'll leave you with this. Remember rule number six. Benjamin Zonder and his wife, Rosamond, wrote a book called The Art of Possibility. And it talks about how we can be possibility-thinking people in in the world of measurement and to transcend into a world where uh, possibilities are not measured by uh, A's and B's and C's and D's, but measured by relationships and a desire to shine. And in the pages of that book, one of the maxims is to remember rule number six. Are there other rules? No, there are no other rules, only rule number six. Well, what is rule number six? Don't take yourself so seriously. In other words, have fun. Have a playful attitude as you go through life. Make memories. Enjoy life. Go scream at a ball game. Dance on the pew at church. I haven't seen too many people do that lately, nor me. But have fun. Go get some ice cream. Stop and smell the roses or stop and smell the pizza. It's okay. In my office, and I almost thought about bringing it in here, but in my office, I invite you to come by if you want to see it. One of the first things you see beside my messy desk is a picture of Jesus. And Jesus is laughing. 
Jesus is having a good time. So many times we see serious, serious pictures of Jesus. I believed our Lord was playful. That when he went to the well with the disciples, he'd start a water fight. That he would enjoy life with his friends at a good dinner party or a fancy wedding. It's okay to play. In a world of measurement, it's okay to stop and play. All right. Ah, that's enough. I gave you my 45-minute sermon in less than 10. Let no one look down upon you because you're young. Always do the right thing and have fun with your faith and play a lot. Amen.